Oh, there we go. Yeah, I guess we're not going to do our normal intro since the guest is in the same room as me this time. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. Uh, how's it going, Nicola? It's uh, uh, good to meet you. Hello, Matt. Nice. Uh, thank you for calling me. Nice, nice to meet you. Uh, it's cool. We have a guest. Uh, so you're, you guys are both, you guys have met each other in, uh, in Serbia, right? You guys are at the brokerage office right now. Yeah, we got our nice Serbian flag. We're, we're in the European brokerage office uh, doing the show today. Nice, nice. Well, before we get started, uh, we are sponsored by HD Ships, one of the premier agent programs out there. Uh, you see their logo in the bottom, uh, bottom right. And yeah, we're excited to talk some international freight and you know what it's like being a freight broker uh, and you know owning a brokerage in uh, you know Europe. Yeah, I mean, we'll start the the standard. You know how how did you get into logistics? You know. Again, uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's glad to uh, meet you in this uh, podcast of yours. I would like to also greet all American colleagues. I'm specialist for uh, road freight brokerage, and I like to call us as a road freight warrior. So greetings to all colleagues in the United States. You got your first comment in, uh, from your, from uh, your yeah. following. Is it right? Yeah. I see Serbia until Tokyo, until Milwaukee. I see it right. <laughs> what does that mean in uh, English? Uh, it's uh, hard to translate, but in so many words, like Serbia is so big, uh, it's a small country. We are a 7 million population country, but very old country with, with very rich history. And in this spiritual thing, we like to say that uh, we are very vast, that we are very worldwide and uh, <laughs> Serbia till Tokyo. Uh, and uh, it's like a joke until Milwaukee because it's right. So it's some kind of... They have like the, the, the Serbian rhymes and we have like our little... Uh... You know, Serbia is the, the biggest country in the world when it's not. But, you know, we have a far reach. So. Something like that. Something exactly. like that. Okay, so you, you were telling me... Were how, how did you yeah. get into logistics, you know? Like, did you did you know you were going to be a freight broker when you were, you know, five years old? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Very interesting. Sorry, thank you for this question. So, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I, made, I'm, I was born in 1981. And uh, I, I actually used to live in the United States when I was four years old. I finished the first grade of <laughs> elementary school. Uh, the state of Illinois, a small uh, <laughs> city of Urbana. It is... Uh, uh, near to Chicago. <clears throat> My mother is an economical uh, agriculture uh, engineer and she had a PhD uh, studies over there. And then uh, when they offered her a scholarship, they said, I have a little boy, a little son, and she wanted to take me <clears throat> with her over there. Yeah, of and uh, I was in the United States for two years. I finished the elementary school. After that, we came back to Serbia. We have these uh, things with... Um, <clears throat> Yugoslavia, which was uh, breaking down, but not to go into the politics and everything. Uh, Late, we're going to avoid the, the yeah, politics. Yeah, of course, uh... <laughs> of course, we're talking now about the road freight business and everything. But after that, I finished the uh, secondary school, uh, high school in Budapest, high school Nikola Tesla in Budapest is the name of the high school. And after that, I was thinking, what will I do in my life? And I first wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Uh-huh. But uh, in the first uh, period, it was too hard because I was still in Budapest, in Hungary, and I had to learn uh, the, language, the language, and I had to learn how to study on yeah. foreign language. And when I see that that is not so good idea, I returned to Belgrade <laughs> after the 2000s, and uh, I actually uh, studied the forestry uh, faculty, University of Belgrade, so I wanted to work like uh, as a forestry engineer. There you go. Yeah. 
so I finished the faculty and everything, and this is the family business, so we have like uh, uh, production of the flowers and everything, and this yeah. thing is still running on. Uh, but then I was thinking, like, I want to work in some kind of company, you know, because all my friends worked in some banks or like... Uh, yeah, like a prestige job. Yeah, something some, like Something that. with a title. Yeah. I mean, Belgrade and Serbia, uh, we were still in some kind of transition, but on 2000s, we, we had a major transition and yeah, these big companies started running here in Serbia. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, this family business will always be here. But why not to try with some company? And uh, I always uh, like DHL. These DHL logos and everything, the commercials about them, yeah. is always inspiring for me. <laughs> and there was like an open open position for uh, uh, telemarketing, actually telesales, freight forward, because DHL has like uh, air freight, ocean freight, supply yeah, chain, massive freight. global, yeah, company. massive global player. <clears throat> And I sent my CV application for the road freight department, and they hired me as a beginner. I had zero experience. So same as everybody's story. You, you didn't Actually, yeah. think you're going to land in logistics, but it just kind of happened. Yeah. Now, 20 years after this, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> what did I need this idea at yeah. all? <laughs> but listen, when this, uh, when this job gets in your bloodstream, you cannot really get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, once you land in logistics, you sort of fall in love with it. Um, and if you don't, then you know you'll have the the ninety percent turnover and leave in the first month. So. <laughs> uh, it's it's very challenging. It's very uh, sometimes stressful, but it's uh, the uh, last learning process of the business. Uh, every day is different, so yeah, it makes yeah. you motivated, and that's good. But uh, to follow up what I said before, where am I now, and how I get got here? So I started with uh, a big company with a small uh, door, small steps. First, I was like in DHL freight company, like uh, telemarketing, then telesales. And I was always thinking in our business, it's important to know uh, if you want to sell something, you have to know the operational process of it. Yeah. So you have to be a good dispatcher if you want to be a good seller in this business. This is my personal opinion. So <clears throat> while I was in sales, I was uh, uh, the same involved and always present in the operations, how to book it, how to make it happen, how to negotiate with the hauliers on the one, one side, how to negotiate on the, with the customers on another side, uh, very often putting uh, 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 two phones uh, <clears throat> at the same time, etc., etc. So it was lasting for seven years. On the end, uh, I, I was like a commercial director or business development sales manager, how would you call it? And okay, time, time passes. It's um, for me natural to, to make a so to move on to yeah, step move on, on. I, no. you, you kind of did what you could there and it's time to kind of take the next step so exactly. after dhl where'd you go after dhl uh, i changed a couple of companies it was uh, after right after that one uh, uh the name of the company is delamod logistics it's like english company but i was there for a very short time frame and after that i went to one serbian big uh, player uh, local hero, as I want to call it, it's Adam Sped, it's like initials of the owner. And I was there for a couple of years. Uh, we had, uh, <clears throat> as a business development sales manager as well, we had uh, interest over there to develop the Belgrade area because it is Southern Serbian uh, company. And uh, time is passing, as you said, uh, time to move on. Uh, again, make the decisions. next step. So were you doing brokerage like throughout this, this step? Like, were you brokering freight or? All the you, time. Were you guys a carrier or a brokerage? Okay, so DHL actually worldwide, when we're talking about freight forwarding, does not own anything. They do not yeah. own warehouses, trucks, etc. So they're brokers. Okay. 
this second uh, uh, Della Model Logistics, uh, English company, the same thing. But this Adam Spett company from Subotica in Serbia, uh, they do like brokerage, but they also own the trucks. Yeah, so, so an asset-based brokerage. Yeah. Yeah, but still, they are colliers on the one time, and they're brokers at the other time. Yeah, Matt, in yeah. America, we would just classify that like an asset-based brokerage, right? Yeah. Like a brokerage that has trucks. I'm curious, too, how is the turnover rate in logistics? Like in the U.S., the turnover rate for new sales reps and logistics is is pretty high. Um, how, how is the turnover rate over at some of the companies you work for? Is it also pretty high in Europe? Listen, we are, I think that the uh, whole Europe uh, market is uh, much uh, uh, smaller than uh, on the United States market, but uh, we classified it uh, here, at, at least I classified with my colleagues, you have like 1 million uh, euros or euro and dollar are pretty much the same. So I want to uh, put it like this, we have 1 million dollar company, 5 million, 10 million, uh, more than 50 million. Uh, I guess so, I mean my turnover. I mean, is there a lot of employees that get hired and then they quit and get get fired? Um, in that in that sense, is the turnover rate pretty high there, like it is in the U.S.? Uh, sorry, I uh, the first time I understand you like turnover in means of uh, in gross profit. In gross profit or no, no, like you think people coming into logistics for a week or two or three and saying, "Hey, I hate this," and coming in and out. Or do you see people kind of in those companies coming and staying, you know, for, for a good period of time? Listen, I think it's pretty much the same situation as you have in the United States. This kind of job, a uh, very low percent of the people can do. So <laughs> either you're you're fit to do it, either you're not. And uh, yes, to my uh, 20 years of uh, career, and now I have my own company, I saw all kinds of things. So either it's a, a big international company or private company as mine is now, uh, people, uh, you can see in first two or three weeks. But uh, in I general, agree. in general, uh, people we recruit, we hire, they stay at least a year or two. Yeah, see, that's huge. In America, yeah. we have, you really? know, like a, I mean, Matt, what would you say? Like a two to four week turnover is pretty. Yeah, I mean, really I would say in the first couple months, I mean, generally the training, first they make it more months. than two to four weeks. But within, if they hire 10 people, you know, a year later, Two will be left a year later, maybe at a lot of companies in the U.S. But that's a big percent of the quitters, no? Yeah, it's a huge turnover. It's like 80, 90 percent of, of new employees are, are gone within the first year. Yeah, it's not just quitting either. I mean, it's not hitting sales targets. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say anything bad about people which are quitting. <laughs> it's just the thing that people do not make their, themselves fit for this position or this job. Yeah, I mean, logistics is one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. Um, exactly. You know, you can either deal with the, the hours and the stress or you kind of can't. Um, I mean, it's not a job you can come in and do the bare minimum every day and go home, you know, um, for, for most most people. We, we got a question, uh, Alex, from Bill. Yeah, if you want to read this, um, this is Bill's question. Um, curious, do you use water and ocean containers more than trucks when shipping from country to country? Okay, my, my company now here is specialized for road freight, but we provide complete logistics, which inter which uh, means uh, that we have international logistics, road trans uh, transportation, sorry. And when I say road transportation, it is road freight, but also ocean freight and air freight. And sometimes it's combined all three of the tr uh, transportations. We put the custom clearance, warehousing if needed, and delivery. Because you know that Serbia is a candidate of European Union, but we are not in European Union. Yeah. So would you say you know most of your freight is 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 trucks on the road? 
We are specialists for road specialized for road. but we also involve and we uh, do the equally uh, quality of the job for the ocean freight and, and air freight. But of course, you have to be specialized for something. Yeah, so you specialize in for, yeah, on, groupage, on the road. Groupage and road uh, and food trucks for European export import. Just so we stay on topic, so you went through those few companies. At what point did you say, I'm going to start my own brokerage? Listen, uh, I, I, in the beginning, I was always thinking, I will never uh, make my own company. I don't <laughs> even like it. I don't even need it. I don't even want to do it because looking at my former bosses and employees, uh, I saw what the kind of challenges they were dealing with. Yeah. Yes, so you have true. to provide money, you have to provide trucks, you have to find customers, you have to make a, a collection to, to lower the bed debt, you have to do uh, everything. everything. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's your company at that yeah. point. And I said, okay, I'm good and experienced business development sales manager, I should stick with it. I have to say that it happened before the COVID and some kind of uh, just non-expected things. And uh, as you said, from time to time, you decide to move on. And I just one 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 year uh, one morning uh, woke up and I said, uh, yeah, maybe I should not, not maybe yeah I should do it I should try it because uh, listen, when you're older and older maybe you're thinking about it yeah it's good to have a good salary as a manager good bonus and everything but you always have to report to somebody and I had lots of reporting in yeah. my life. For example, in DHL and these international companies, fifty percent of the time I was working the daily job, and forty percent I was dealing with the reports. Reports are good. Reports are the equally same uh, important part of the job. But reports, reports. But at reports. the end of the day, you're not your own boss. At the end of the day, uh, you can say so. You yeah. know, this is kind of the, the last step you can really take uh, in that journey. It's, it seems like you started, you know, since everybody does with no experience and you slowly made your way. <laughs> exactly. But listen, when I started, it was uh, uh, 2019 in January. It was uh, until March, very good. Going. I said, yeah, great, I did it, I mean, I'm, did, I'm doing it, it will manage, and then COVID came. Oh, Jesus, I don't, I, I, I remember this is a, a very, very hard time, because everybody was telling us, like, uh, listen, in COVID time, uh, at least logistic is working. Yes, it was working, but, <laughs> but very, how was it working? Very low, low percent, for example, if from one customer, if you had uh, 10 shipments now you had uh, uh, per month or per week or per yeah, now you have one year, two but, shipments yeah, so. yeah i mean they, it seems they faced i mean Matt, we we all faced it in america like the, the volume decline you know worldwide but on this day i think it is uh, the best possible thing uh, you can be is to be an entrepreneur not only to be your own boss to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. Uh, to fight on an open market, to uh, try yeah, to, like to go to war every day for 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 yourself. War kind of or thing. challenge? Uh, yeah. you, know, you know how they say it's not a problem; it's a challenge. But still, problem solving and uh, overcoming challenging is a really exper ex uh, ex good experience uh, because you you understand the personal growth of yourself, and this yeah. thing you cannot do as a as an employee, I mean, you can to some levels, but after but not that, the same. It's not, not the same, same kind of level. Um, but I mean, Matt, listen to this. So me and him were talking about this kind of on our own. Um, can you take us through like the cost of so the cost of opening a brokerage um, in Serbia and Europe? Um, you know, because in America we have those huge bonds. Um, you know, it's a, a huge investment to open your own brokerage in America. Well, also credit for the first for the first year. I mean, in America, yeah, carriers won't, they won't 
work with you generally unless you prepay for the first year because you don't have established credit and there's so many companies yeah. going under in the US. So it's, it's hard for the first year. Nothing of mentioned you have in Serbia, not only in Serbia and <laughs> Europe. So I'm repeating, not only in Serbia and Europe. So uh, you have LTD, limited uh, company. How come? Yeah, LLC. LLC, it's like limited. Here it's DO. Never mind on Serbia. Uh, the point is you can register it with uh, 10 euros, some symbolic value. You don't have to put a bond. <laughs> symbolic value. Yeah, so I mean, you, you, can all, you can also put uh, like one euro, but it's uh, hilarious. So you put some money, but it's not uh, restricted how much money. So to need. open the brokerage doesn't cost Almost much. Yeah. And then once you have your brokerage running, as Matt was saying, um, you know, are, are the carriers, the haulers, are they going to take freight from you? Or like you, you don't have credit that first six months to Good 12 question. months? Yeah, good question. In, uh, the first time you pay in advance, or maybe yeah. some reputation from the past. It, of course, uh, uh, where they maybe trust you from, you know, working with some you kind before. of trust is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's the same. Were you factoring your first year, or did you uh, float all the money? Float, you know, the payables. Yeah. Received? Do you guys use? You're familiar with factoring? Yeah, of course. Okay. But I can say that for the first one year, we were paying in advance, so it was. So you were you were fronting you all the money. Invested money in the company. Okay, so you guys didn't go the factoring route when you didn't have credit. You just fronted pretty much all the costs. 99% of it. Okay, and how long did that last you? Six to 12 months? Maybe no, a little less? It was a process of six or 12 months, but uh, as time was passing, it was dropping. So you give one tour, you pay. For yeah, time. yeah, they you, trust you at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, but also, but not only that, you give a detailed order. Uh, every, every transportation, uh, no matter how it's uh, detailed and uh, no matter how it's... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, communicated in advance, every transportation has some kind of the problems. So it depends on you how much fast will you solve it. Because I was always thinking that broker, okay, if I engage the collier, I give him a, a clear order, he comes on time, problem occurs, it's my problem. And uh, his job, uh, actually, my job is to make uh, a collier's job easier. So when the, the partner, collier, we call them like, the yeah, like that's carrier, 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 yeah. When they see that you're 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 uh, <clears throat> running in front of the problem, you're solving it. That makes also additional trust. Oh, of course, of course. So carrier relationships, haulier relationships are a big thing for you. Uh, listen, we, we depend on the hauliers uh, uh, or the carriers. We live from their money, so we are we are customers to them. But uh, uh, yeah, we I mean, depend you, on you're them. supposed it's a partnership. To, of it's course, of course. Street. I mean, you have to be you know on the side of the the carrier and on the side of your customer. And, and to show between two fires, maybe sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, how does that come down to in Europe? Um, do you guys pay, you know, if you send the truck to a load and then your customer says for whatever reason, hey, the load's not going out today. Do you guys pay truck order not used? Like, do you pay that truck something for going uh, there, for driving uh, there? It depends. Yeah, good, good question. But uh, first of all, is it our regular customer? Does he uh, uh, have a misunderstanding with his uh, uh, supplier of the goods? Mm -hmm. Is it an honest mistake? So we take all into the consideration. Uh, we call it, uh, I don't know how to translate it. Uh, uh, for for us in our market, it's uh, truck order not used. Uh, it, for us, it's like <laughs> truck cancellation or uh, day of staying. They yeah. are uh, demerage, demerage maybe I would call it. Here it's around if you cancel it and you do not make an, an uh, so if somebody cancel it but does not uh, offer a different your, load or yeah different load or the same load but in a couple of days or okay. next day 
it's like 150 euros uh, for that day and euro dollar is pretty much it's pretty same. much the same yeah. so let's say it's i mean 100 euros is 107 americans so it's basically the same it's price. almost the same so let's say 150 mm -hmm. euros if there is a cancellation without a new order and it is uh yeah so that's the yeah. the same for us it's called tanu 150 dollars um for for a layover let's say you know the truck gets loaded with your freight gets to your delivery and now the receiver won't take them till the next day do you guys pay that day of staying uh, like so a layover if, if the order is not cancelled yeah we arrive on time and there is some delay with unloading yeah like let's say one day like hey he got there at 1 p.m he has to wait till the next morning is that something that's paid for no listen it's different guys here so we're not so we have transportation from serbia to european union and we are not in european union. so meaning we have to do the custom clearance on the destination or at the uh, either it's import or export there is always custom clearance and okay. unloading and we find it uh, as a regular uh, time for custom clearance and uh, unloading 24 hours so that's an and average average and if it's 25 26 27 hours of course we do not charge it but when it's more than, for example, if truck arrives from Serbia and it goes to France and it arrives to France in Paris on Monday morning and they unload it on Tuesday noon, we will not charge it. But if it goes from Tuesday almost to Wednesday, then we will definitely charge it. Yeah. yeah. So basically in this type of freight, you expect that customs delay, you know, the, the carrier, the hauler, they expect, you know. It's time consuming. Yeah. But, but they're aware that this is a delay that can happen doing cross-border freight yeah exactly but it's not even the delay so you never know what will happen on the borders when oh, we're entering european union or when we're entering of course, of course, yeah. yeah something so i put it like this uh uh three kilometers of the queue is like one day of staying so if you have uh nine kilometers from queue, yeah, on so the if border, you have about a mile or two to get yeah. to the the checkpoint that's so if, 24 hours exactly so if we say uh, the transit time is three days and we inform the customer on time that that is a huge queue on the uh, border and we can uh, see in some kind of news it's uh, not a fake news it's a realistic yeah, information the fact then the transit time uh, is uh, growing yeah it's uh, longer and when it arrives on a final destination Chuck first has to check uh, the customs point and uh, it happens a lot that some document is missing and then you try to provide this document as fast as possible no, we course. work on email skype viber with telephone and everything and if you saw that things fast and everybody's uh, on the same see, page yeah, then same yeah page, they see that you're yeah it takes some time it's not delay it's time consuming but that's just part of the load it's, exactly, exactly so i mean matt i guess they they're paying tanu layover is a little tricky on cross-border freight Drivers are not happy about it. Truck owners are also not happy about it. Yeah, the US to get more, I think. <laughs> but um, I'm curious, I'm curious the sales side of things. So in the US, if you have one shipper or one customer, I mean, they sometimes get hundreds of calls, hundreds of emails. There's a lot of brokerages, a lot of competition. Uh, is there as much competition in Europe? Is there like is the sales process you know, as difficult where, you know, you might have 50 people trying to get the same customer? When uh, there is a load uh, where uh, 50 uh, people are targeting, I usually move, I, I avoid it uh, right away. So I'm trying to build uh, during the years, the portfolio with the customers where maybe in the very beginning, I'm one of the, not 50, but uh, one of the 10, 
then I clarify that maybe I'm one of the three, and uh, on the end I get the exclusive uh, uh, part of the partnership with the customer. But yes, definitely there is some kind of uh, loads where lots of people aim. But uh, we're we're a little bit different uh, uh, market here uh, <clears throat> because uh, here people like to make uh, uh, maybe it's not specific for Serbia, but maybe it is. People like to make uh, some kind of uh, how should I say <clears throat> personal uh, 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 yeah, like, operation. Like everybody says, I have my collier, I have my carrier, etc., yeah. etc. Especially when we are talking about the custom clearance, because lots of details are presented in this custom clearance procedure because me as a custom brokerage i see the invoice of the uh my uh, customer yeah, buying from the shipper and everything and it's a little bit of discretion and so, then lots of people like to make uh, a partnership with a collier or brokerage or carrier or whatever and to make it uh how should they say, like some kind of discretion, etc.? Yeah, it's like on, you know, the back the backdoor deals kind of thing. Something like that. But um, I mean, more so, like, how do you source your customers, your freight? Like, you, are you cold calling a lot? Are you sending out emails? I mean, are you at a stage kind of where you have your customers, you're not really prospecting anymore? Some people are telling uh, that, like, this cold calling or this uh, sales by the phone and pipelines and sales funnels are like old fashioned. I will never accept this. Listen, my friend tells me, go on the street and make 100 euros today. How, how you make the money, uh, honestly, and, uh, you know, as a hardworking guy. <laughs> so I think there is nothing else. Every We have around 100 active customers and uh, we monitor it very closely. I was always telling that uh, <clears throat> if you want to uh, keep your... Uh, your portfolio stable, you have to know the color of eyes of your customers. That means that you approach them very close. That means that you know this for their suppliers, uh, they, their yeah. tariffs, their shippers. They I mean, you do all your research about all the research. I think that everybody should work in some kind of CRM. Uh, I personally worked for long years in SAP, SAP, it's a German international uh, customer relationship uh, management program, very expensive one in DHL. I don't have enough money to invest in my company and I don't need this kind of fancy uh, as uh, a customer relationship management program. <clears throat> Sorry, but I monitor it in uh, some cheaper one as Salesforce. You have uh, you have the free trial ones and uh, even on the end, you can put it in a, in a. Yeah, I mean, Matt's been the broker in America. I've never been a broker. I mean, Matt, were you using, you know, crazy CRM or were you just kind of using a, a cheaper one? Or what's your experience kind of with CRMs? I mean, it depends on what company you work for. I mean, there's some brokerages that are still using Excel um, and there's some that have Salesforce. So it, it depends on the brokerage. I mean, uh, logistics is like behind the times in terms of technology in, in the U.S. But listen, Matt, uh, either it's fancy program, either it's Excel, it's uh, important that you monitor it. So you can make, I, I tell it, you can make a television uh, uh, TV in a in a cave. So whatever you do, uh, so it's most important that you monitor it on some kind. So it doesn't, doesn't have to be fancy, but if you want to be good at sales, you have to monitor it at uh, some level. So as I said, we approach our customers, we visit them once or twice a year. Uh, we know all their needs. Uh, we uh, uh, have very strict control on the complaint management. So complaints can sometimes be 
uh, real or not. Uh, the point is that you accept the responsibility. It's important that you uh, coach your customer in some way, uh, that you run in front of the customer, I like to say, uh, just to cons uh, just a customer to feel that you care about them. So it's on a level of uh, very professional communication, a uh, little bit strict in terms of what is acceptable and what is not, what is the customs law, what we have to do in your interest. And with this kind of approach, I think that customers appreciate it and they give you... So, I mean, you're traditional in your approach, you know, do your research, do the cold calling. But no, listen, no traditional stuff. or not, this is professional. No, and, no, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a bunch of guests come on here. I mean, I'm thinking of heading into brokerage, you know, one of these days. So, <laughs> I've been kind of getting more, more and more... Yeah, I've been getting more and more interested in, the, you know, how to acquire customers' conversations we've had with all our guests. And um, I mean, it's always the same thing. Be be yourself, be a person, do your research before you call, know exactly. everything about them. Listen, when you call a customer, do you know the two main topics? What is he importing or exporting or transporting? And what is his, uh, 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 what does he do? For example, maybe he imports some kind of goods, but what is his final project? Uh, product, sorry. So when you know that he is importing the plastic as a raw plastic yeah. and he's producing uh, this mic or this pencil or whatever, then you already know some kind of perception of his yeah. business. So first of all, his uh, supplier has to produce it. Then you have to put a uh, track on time. You have to deliver it, custom clearance and put into his production. And then he needs some kind of uh, production time to make the final product. But, and then he wants to export he's going to need a truck again. Yeah. yeah. So when you know his process, then uh, it's easier to understand. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, we've been told, like, Matt, you wouldn't just, you know, start cold calling people and say, hey, you have freight. I need your freight. Yeah, listen, it's, I was always it's like somebody is uh, calling you and uh, trying to sell you the vacuum cleaner or whatever. Yeah, or like so, your car insurance has expired, yeah. you know, just random cold calling. So you, you, you're you a firm believer targeted cold calling, doing your research. I don't first. know. I don't know. I don't know any other uh, possibility. So I think, <laughs> I think you can you can listen. Uh, new opportunities are all around you. Even if you go to the market and you buy, for example, you buy this product, there is a declaration who is the importer of these goods. So you can copy the name, you go on the internet and you say, yeah, I saw you're selling this. And can you give me the, I always tell, can you give me the opportunity to compete within your regular colleagues or brokerage to give you offer without, without any obligation? Let me compete on a fair, uh, fair uh, market uh, Yeah, let me situation. just be a part of it. Yeah, and if I'm expensive, if you don't like our uh, offers in terms of transit time, okay, I don't want to I mean, bother. Matt, would you say your approach was, you know, somewhat similar to that, you know, when you were acquiring your customers? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of homework, you know, being done, whether that be looking at their website, yeah. finding out, you know, if they're opening a new distribution center, they're doing a new product, um, you know, which sometimes making friends with warehouse employees or cold storage employees and, you know, getting inside information about what, you know, freight they move. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, knowing the customer. Um, there's an interesting comment, Alex, you see it from Ryan. It has to be tough in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cross-border at every state. I mean, the, the cross-border stuff is very interesting in Europe because we don't, unless you're shipping to Mexico here or, you know, Canada, um, you know, it's very rare. Obviously, you're not going to do that going state to state. So, um, 
you guys. But I mean, we were, yeah, yeah, me and can we go to the picture. Yeah, me and Nicola were talking about this because once you're in the EU, you don't have borders anymore. That's the thing. Um, so this is the picture of uh, European Union, blue one. So blue one is the European Union countries, and European Union is actually one country. So if you go from Warsaw in Poland to Barcelona in Spain, it's like going from Washington. To yeah, it's the same as doing a Florida to Chicago. Yeah, uh, something like that. Like EU is treated as one country. Exactly. So the green ones are the candidates, and Serbia is the candidate for a very long time. Uh, I do not like this. And just man. so they understand, like um, the candidate, the the green ones. That's where we've, you know, these countries have applied to be a part of the European Union. Um, exactly. It's just up to, to the EU to approve that. So Exactly. I don't like this map, but it was the only picture you found because the Kosovo, <laughs> the southern province of Serbia, is like a different country, Kosovo is Serbia. Let's not go into the politics, but I have to uh, put this remark because of uh, our followers and everything. But uh, yes, the green one are the candidates, and we are looking forward to getting the European Union. Will it happen in the near future or not? We will see. But the thing is, uh, when we are exporting or importing to or from uh, European Union, then we have custom clearance procedure, so it's inevitable. Or if uh, we are importing or exporting to the United States, let's uh, let's make uh, this example. For example, uh, Matt, you send us the cargo from the uh, United States, and it will reach, for example, uh, Rotterdam port of the Netherlands. So it will go by ocean freight and it will arrive in one or two months transit time to the Netherlands. In Netherlands, our Netherlands colleagues will put it under the custom pot. And I send truck from Serbia to collect this sh uh, shipment because the final destination is uh, Serbia. Then we will send uh, the uh, truck to the Netherlands and we will make the transit document through European Union because this goods arrive from United States under the transit document, custom bond to Netherlands, and we are just uh, uh, making longer transit until final destination through European Union. And on the entrance in Serbia, we will close the transit document and we will custom clear it in the final destination in the capital of Belgrade, for example. And that is the place where the uh, transit is over. Exactly. Guys, did I make this? Uh, maybe it's complicated no, no, for you. No, no, it's simple. But here's my question. So if you did send your truck from Serbia to collect some ocean freight over there. In Netherlands, for yeah, you would Yeah, you would load him with a load going that way. Like you wouldn't send the truck. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. Always, we, listen, we have... Yeah, I'm just, you know, yeah. I, I want to clarify that yeah, part. <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, sending my truck empty, you know, across the country. Not, not, not to get into the politics side, but how, how is it, you know, shipping to Ukraine and and Russia right now? Are you guys still shipping to Ukraine and and Russia, or uh, picking up freight there? Or how, uh, you know, how hectic has that been? Matt, uh, okay, so uh, let's go to the last picture to answer the Matt's question. The picture three. Yeah, three. Okay, so these are uh, uh, the blue countries are the countries with puts, which put sanctions to the Russian Federation. The Russian Federation is the pink uh, colored country. The countries which did not put the sanctions uh, are the uh, red ones, so Belarus and Russia. And if you look at the uh, left up corner, it's also not the, the good uh, legend because it's not that uh, Serbia supports Russia. Serbia supports Ukraine as well. 
Serbia. And just so everybody yeah, understands. I'm just, I'm just explaining not to be. No, no, but just so people understand yeah. in, in, in America. Serbia is the bottom red. Bottom red, yeah, the exactly. Bottom red exactly. Again, I have the good map in terms of Kosovo or southern province, but uh, the, the thing is that we that we uh, stick uh, to the topic. So all the countries in blue put sanctions on the to, uh, to ship to uh, Russia. Russia, but still, even Europe countries are shipping to commodities, food, and uh, medical uh, equipment. Yeah. So this is not the, the question of the sanctions, but all all other consumer goods are under sanctions. But Serbia did not impose sanctions on uh, Russia. So we are free to export our national products, all the things we produce in Serbia. We're not uh, looking to lose the market. We want to cooperate with Russia. We want to buy our products. Of course. Eh? So all the products we produce in Serbia, we load in Serbia. But as you see the map, we have to transit through European Union. And listen, if the goods, the tariff code is not under the uh, uh, ban or sanctions of the European Union towards Russia, and the most important thing is that European Union does not consider it that the commodity is for dual use, the dual use means it can be used in a military purpose, then it's free to be transported. And what we do, we load it in Serbia, we export castle clarity in uh, Serbia, we uh, uh, go through European Union, we enter Russian Federation. And we yeah, so basically, in. as long as the, the commodity cannot be used for military reasons, exactly. then you're basically free exactly. to ship it, you know, business exactly. as usual. How are how are the rates? Because, uh, you know, only the red areas, Serbia and Belarus can, you know, take freight to Russia. Are the other are rates gone up since the war to Russia? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you said Definitely. yes. Yes, yes, definitely. This business of ours is always, uh, uh, especially in Serbia. So we have some freight rates per kilometers which are recommended. Uh, but uh, the freight rates change from week to week and they are established by the needs. And uh, so how many trucks you have at disposal and how many tons of goods you have at disposal. So some kind of... It's uh, the same, supply and demand. Supply and demand, exactly. But, but do you, would you say, I mean, have you seen like, I mean, the simplest terms, like, have you seen a rise in rates, like, like a war cost, you know, just yeah, because it's sure. a difficult place to go to? That's what Matt asked me. So answer is definitely yes. Let's say uh, uh, 20, 30 percent, maybe 40 uh, in the first year of war, even 50 percent more rates just because it is very. Everybody, it's a touchy subject. Yeah, it's, touchy subject. I mean, it's everybody a war, it's a war zone. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, uh, if we if you're looking at the current situation, the prices are much higher because of the situation. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, what do you see with the drivers? Are they, you know, are, are some drivers saying, hey, I'm not going to haul out to Ukraine or Russia. I'm not going to go that way, you know. Or is it more often than not just these guys are doing their job? Uh, they, they don't really view it as an issue. So it's a question actually for the truck owner and the driver. Of course. I'm just saying, have you dispatched, you know, any freight? Yeah. Have you sold any freight? And then you heard your carrier say, hey, I'm not going that yeah, way. Yeah, we had we lots of uh, transportation to Russia. And yeah, of course, lots of them said in the beginning, I don't want to do it. Or <laughs> maybe I will want to do it. Call me tomorrow. Call me tomorrow. Yeah. I still don't know. But <clears throat> again, there is a percent of the truck owners who are only specializing it. And they're very Yeah, they've been there. They know, you know. And they do it. Yeah, of course. Um, I know you guys are talking about the markets and rates. I was curious because the U.S. has pretty long freight cycles here where sometimes it's two years. 
you know, where rates are very bad for carriers and then they, you know, flip up every two years. Are the freight cycles as long in Europe as they are in the U.S.? Uh, listen, I, I also had some questions for you guys maybe at the end, but to answer your question, uh, for example, uh, if you can, can you can you go at the second picture, please? Yes. So these are the uh, uh, countries which are under the NCTS. The short uh, term is NCTS. It is European Union, all Europe uh, uh, customs uh, uh, customs monitor system. And Serbia is in it because we are the candidate of the European. So when you look at this map, for example, the longest distance from Serbia is to England or to Portugal or maybe to the Scandinavian countries. And uh, the truck can, in export from Serbia, arrive to the England in three or four days because there is a, no, a ferry. Um, I mean, his question was, yeah, you know, how, how much time we need to, to get one road no, no, trip? No, no, no. Um, the, the question he wants to know, because in America, we're for the past about 20 to 30 months, we've been in a, a bad market, a down market, you know. Bad rates, low rates, low Here volume. Is it. Here, yeah, it. but is it in Europe? Like, do you see, you know, supply and demand? Does it go up and down every year, every six months? Here like that goes, cycle. Here that it cycle. goes up and down every couple of months. So listen. So it's faster. It's a faster up and down cycle. Yes, but uh, what is the explanation? Serbia is not in European. We do not have open markets. We are struggling to sell goods to European. Sometimes our government and our uh, entrepreneurs and our productions make it better. Sometimes it's not. All the all the uh, uh, commodity of uh, getting the raw materials to production is in disbalance because of the. It's not the problem the war with the Russia and Ukraine. The problem is sanctions to the Russia and the uh, backward sanctions from the Russia to European. So it created a huge uh, um, huge disbalance in getting the the, the regular stuff no. by the prices you had in the past. But to make the long story short. Uh, <clears throat> like if there was no war going on, you know, for the past few years, do you see, you know, kind of the rates being high for a few months, that low for a few before, months? Before the COVID and the sanctions towards Russia, we could plan almost, I always make the budget for the whole year and I could monitor it. So you have the low season, January, February, then it goes up like the first peak of the year, March, April, May, yeah, June. So it's the same as Yes, a little bit lower in the August, the holidays, and then you have the biggest uh, uh, freight volumes in the November, December. In December, yeah. we make, in last quarter, we make, like, for example, in the first two quarters. So you can see a lot of that holiday of freight. Of course, you, you, can, you can all, you, you, you can literally. Yeah, as you can see, January, February is always the worst market. Same in America, same same in Europe. So Exactly. I mean, I guess we just have in Europe a, a little bit more conflicts <laughs> going on. Listen, this is this is very unpredictable market. It is very uh, stable. Uh, here we go from month to month. Uh, I monitor the costs of the expenses of the company. I try to make uh, as much as great uh, 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 <coughs> orders. But uh, to be frank, uh, in the past, for example, we made a 10 to 15% margin per freight volume for the gross profit. Now we make even 30 or 40% because we solve some very tricky stuff uh, yeah, for yeah. the customer so <clears throat> the thing is that customer tell us i want to be delivered on that and that date or period yeah of like week. expedited freight kind of stuff and... exactly how we make it happen i don't know i always say <laughs> god help us so but listen this is this is the period where you can as experienced 
<coughs> sorry, as experienced spray forwarding manager, make uh, uh, with with the knowledge of the market, with uh, all kind of informations. Uh, money you monitor geopolitics, you monitor what is happening on the road, you monitor all kind of things. This is the the time when you can make some additional gross profit if based on circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of segueing us, Matt, into the, the topic we, we kind of wanted to discuss. Um, so, I mean, your margin is somewhere between 10 to 15, on average, on average freight. Yeah, this is something average. And in the past, we were always looking for the uh, a huge amount of the order. So, yeah, 10 orders per yeah. day, you get a volume. Sometimes you make, uh, listen, sometimes we make... Sometimes uh, you lose money. Sometimes we make $10 <laughs> or so 10 euros and we even lose money. But in average, yeah, you try to make it happen. Okay. But I mean, let's get into Matt, if you're cool with it, uh, you know, the, the costs, you know, like the truck costs, the, the rate per miles, the, the fuel costs. Um, that, that's something I was interested in um, just to see, you know, the comparison between the, the Europe and American market. I'm curious, too, as long as we brought up, you know, margins, um, how much do the sales reps, uh, you don't have to talk about your company, but just in or you can if you want, but just in general there, you know, how is the pay structure for you know, sales reps there. Like in the U.S., a lot of the companies will have a base pay plus 10, 15% of the profit margin. Maybe other companies will be higher, some will be lower. But how does the commission structure and, you know, salary structure look like, you know, in, in Europe? Is it more commission-based or more salary-based? Pretty much the same, Matt. So pretty much almost the same as you said. You have some fixed salary, you have some percentage, you have targets. Targets should be smart, of course, yes. <laughs> and But listen, nobody in Serbia, nobody likes to sell. Selling means that you're getting... Uh, uh, commission. No, no, Not different commission. thing I wanted to say. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, when you like some girl and maybe she's, uh, she'll tell you no. Or ah, like rejection. Rejection, rejection and it interferes ah, okay. your ego. So in Serbia, nobody likes to be rejected. I, I don't know. I, I would. I could sell. I could. If I would like to retire now, I would probably. I would not uh, totally retire, but I would go in some company and sell. I could sell all day. I could call 20, 30 days. Talk. I mean, it's not, you enjoy the. the I enjoy talking to people because I know the business. I know to answer every question. I have lots of rates in my head, so I can give uh, uh, right away some rates. I can follow it up with. Uh, a mail with a presentation with the customer's mail i can do it all along but uh, okay everybody so you would say kind of... most brokerages in europe use the same sort of salary fixed you know with yeah. some type of percent pretty much listen guys we are in europe but uh, it's the same i, I think the same works in china in Asia, <laughs> in uh, south america maybe not in south hey america. maybe you're but gonna find us a guest uh, for the chinese market or for for you know it's interesting <laughs> though you brought up Sorry? No, I was saying it's interesting though. You brought up in Serbia that people don't really like to like to sell. Um, they don't like the rejection. Um, is it harder to find good talent sales reps then in Serbia Definitely. if not people? Most people don't like want to do it. Definitely. Listen, I, I'm I'm the I'm the uh, <clears throat> sales executive number one in my company. So yes, I'm the owner, I'm the managing <laughs> director, but I sell every day. I have a colleague in transportation which assists me. Uh, Jovani, she's name, and she helped me a lot with it. But listen, I'm the main seller. I do it uh, daily, and uh, yeah. Now, if I, I would like, I would like to negotiate with any salesman who can call me. If he tells me I want twice a bigger uh, uh, market sales uh, than uh, market salary than it is on the market, 
but I will make you two times more. I would help no problem. For example, yeah. if it's a thousand euros salary, like a market, yeah, market average for I sales. I will give to somebody two thousand, but can you make can you make at least for your salary and at least some percentage for the yeah, company course. and let's make the pacing not in the but you would say you know finding a good salesperson service tough but listen when i tell him okay no problem two thousand euros three thousand <laughs> euros but i will fire your ass right away if, if you, you don't hit your first oh, target listen, i'm not ready to commit i'm not ready, <laughs> I'm not ready to commit sale all about sales is to commit but not also to not only to commit if good salesperson does not know in in advance to tell you how will he reach the uh, uh, the the target. For example, I will contact a uh, thousand customers. I will uh, send thousand presentations. I will make a pipeline and funnel roadmap. Of pretty roadmap. Uh, you make a pipeline. You make a sales funnel. You make a percentage of success. You make the pacing during the months. So listen, whoever understands it, uh, I think the sales it's uh, maybe a couple of percent of talent, but it's ninety percent uh, or ninety five percent of persistent and commitment. And who likes it, who enjoys it, who believes in the process, target will come in. For, I but I mean, I think, you know, in Serbia, ego is kind of a big word over here. We have, uh, you know, our citizens have a huge ego. And I think you saying that it makes sense to me that people don't want to be told no. They don't want to be rejected. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I've never done it. That's the thing. So mm. I'm interested you know, in these conversations about sales. Um, as I'm thinking to go into the broker space, like I said, so it's interesting to me to hear, you know, um, different countries, different process, but the, the sales strategies, same. they're always the same. Yeah. Like if you are good in operations and you are, this is the very good basis for the selling because you just need some kind of fine tuning and understanding the psychology, always be patient, always be nice talking, uh, monitor it closely. Then, uh, when you call customer and you tell him, "Hey, listen, we spoke two uh, two, two weeks two, yeah. two, now. You have to put like two weeks." Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you call him three times every two weeks. First week, you told two weeks ago you told me this and that, and we agreed on this and that. If he likes it, I you remember what yeah, talked yeah, about. You pay attention. You pay attention, and now you're kind of me asking, not uh, uh, too much uh, <laughs> overcoming me, and you want to compete. You want to try to get in our company, so. You find this very important for you. I mean, you a little bit go. I don't know what's the expression. You you go. Uh, you try to like to make some kind of like relationship there. You know, not just about the freight. Exactly, but uh, never mind. So you have to understand and to deal with it, with it that from hundred percent of the prospects, thirty percent will be only opportunities where you can quote them. And from this 30% of opportunities, if this 30 is now 100%, only 30% will be uh, on yeah, the end of the customers of during the, the six months period, maybe three months, maybe. So I mean, Matt, would you agree with that that kind of stats? You know, out of let's say 100, 100 cold call leads, 30% give you maybe, a, maybe an opportunity. Maybe. Oh, way lower in the US. Way, way lower. Way lower. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to encourage all the, uh, the, the colleagues, even way, low, way lower. Yeah, I'm curious, too, because um, we're talking about sales. In the U.S., there's a lot of uh, tech companies in freight, whether it be transportation software, fighting fraud, um, you know, carrier matching, AI, recruiting services. Do you get a lot of sales calls from freight tech companies um, where they call you trying to sell you uh, stuff? Because in the U.S., that is massive. 
People aren't calling you every day trying to sell you a new program, a new software. No, but uh, they're targeting like freight companies. That's yeah, yeah, every yeah, in the like, US. Yeah. Big. Yeah. No, not at all. They're not getting one cold call ever. Like to oh, sell them in the US, <laughs> if you own a brokerage, you might get several calls a week from because there's so much software, there's competitors to what runs your transportation all types of things but listen guys whatever happens in the united states come to europe especially into serbia 10 20 years ago so i, I will respond actually in 10 years uh, yeah, we're gonna get the, the cold calling from from freight tech companies in the next 10 15 years so we're a little behind over here is fraud but, um, as big of a deal there because in, in the u.s everyone is obsessed about fraud double brokering theft that's yeah, a big if you give out freight if you give out a load do you think somebody gives it to a different company and keeps a piece of it uh listen yeah of course we have to be of extra, course extra, of course we have to be extra <laughs> careful about it so in our order towards the collier carrier we say that it is not allowed to resell the goods. yeah rebroker yeah. but sometimes they do it but they ask us and if it's a partner everybody has a partner uh, etc partner so yeah some of our regular partners re-engage somebody but he let me know this so, is the first thing the but you run into issues where people just don't tell you you just give it to let's say carrier a hollier a and they give it to hollier b but you don't know about it it happens, it, it happens yeah. but listen if it's on time and my first so the carrier i gave him the order it's the first hand yeah if he has a second hand or the first hand i call it the second hand. yeah <laughs> if, if the first hand is telling me the information from the time and regular Correct, information yeah. i don't even care but uh, of course it is always listen i know some colleagues and my me and my career we had stolen goods that's what i was going to ask you next you, you ever have a load disappear yeah, listen this is something which can damage the company reputation big, well, not only reputation financially you can get close you can you can better because of this oh, of course maybe you make uh, some profit on the end of the year i don't know how many thousand or yeah, it can wipe you out. And this can wipe you out. Yeah. But I mean, like Matt, probably gonna ask you, the, you know, next. How do you guys fight that? How do you guys kind of, you know, stay away from double uh, listen, brokering? Yeah. And... Uh, listen, as I said, uh, I know the uh, color of the eyes of the customers. I know all my partners and colleagues in person. Yeah, so your carriers, your, you use your your network, some kind of network. the most yeah. you can. Yeah. You know, you're not posting no. freight every day, no. calling no. random. There's not like six different tech companies out there fighting fraud in Serbia. I mean, in the U.S., there's a site you can go on to write reviews about carriers. There's another site that gives a rating yeah. system, another site hey. that says yes or no. There's like 75 bazillion tech companies in the U.S. that are, you know, giving yeah, software. Segue into freight guards. You guys have that here? Like you as a broker, if, let's say you're a carrier hauler does something terrible they steal your load something do you have a website where you can go and make report yeah and you it, can it hurts yeah, them. of course of course you can but listen when you're good when the damage is done well, yeah we have blacklists and uh, you uh, have the communities and uh, everything but uh, listen we are also very smaller country and everybody knows everybody yeah here. because we are a seven million population and we are like a smaller state in, uh, in the united states and you have 51 states we are one state. So everybody knows here much better. Yeah, so if you make mistakes, you're going to be kind of word of mouth banned fast. Exactly, exactly. And also we check the customers as well. So how do they work? Uh, what is their... Yeah. Uh, uh, 
this kind of stuff. So, yeah. You have to be careful for sure all the time. No, of course. Um, well, I know you had some questions, Nicola, for us. Uh, you know, I don't want to run out of time. So yeah. uh, maybe if you want to talk to some of your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for, for this opportunity as well. So for my audience, for the audience in Serbia, I made some calculation, like one kilometer is 0.6 miles. Actually, one mile is 1.6 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we are looking we are looking to make uh, the calculation of 1.4 euros per kilometer. We are looking for it, but we do not manage to achieve it because the import, export. Uh, no, of that. course. But uh, when we calculate it, it's uh, uh, preferable uh, 2.2 uh, euros per mile. What is the what yeah. is the rate you guys get? So basically, he's saying that the average RPM uh, in Europe, RPM, yeah. average for them, is around 2.3 dollars, 2.4 dollars, something like that. That's the average um, rate that they get from the customer, or that's, that's the average. The average rate uh, listen, uh, so it's sometimes uh, the, the average rate I pay, but also get in the customer, and then I lower a little bit from the, uh, I hire it from to the customer, I lower, let's say it's a middle, uh, uh, something in the middle for you to earn. Okay, so like 2.3, 2.4 RPM is kind of like between that. the customer and carrier's rate. So the carrier is probably getting closer at 2.2, 2.2 and a half. Yeah, so, I mean, I that's not a bad rate per mile. Like, that's about average for what we're making. On no, I mean, it, it depends what you talk, who you talk to and what the, you know, like, obviously, it's. I'm sure it's the same thing there. But, I mean, Hazmat, you know, pays more. Um, Tanker Endorsed pays more. The reefer market, the van market, the flatbed. Yeah, this is mostly all, is all mostly different. It also depends. I mean, there's certain carriers I know who, won't haul for under three dollars a mile and we'll sit their truck there for a week and a half before they do anything it's very good eh? i mean in this market it's amazing uh because listen what uh, i also have this kind of calculation one liter of uh, uh fuel in serbia is 1.7 euros one gallon is four liters yeah. meaning one gallon is 6.8 euros yeah so imagine that Matt. They, but, they have one gallon is about seven dollars you know but listen our fuel is much higher expensive than your ones yeah it's much like i mean we just we just looked at it Matt. like um in indianapolis currently today it's about four dollars a gallon um over here they're paying about seven so. another, another thing is that uh, you make uh, uh transportation much faster you do not have a uh, yeah, boundary, your, your you borders. Have boundaries you do not have custom clearance and guys, I wanted to ask you, I know that you transport all kinds of commodities, but what is the most usual commodity you, you, you usually transport? Well, oh. if you ask Matt, um, he was doing, I mean, I'll let Matt explain to you what he yeah. was doing. I mean, people do different, people kind of find, I mean, at least personally, I think the best way is to find a niche, you know, a niche. I can't talk today, but something that, you know, you kind of specialize in. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of seafood. Um, and food, but I, I also moved Benonite, I moved concrete, um, I moved pigment, uh, I moved colorants. Um, but you know, the biggest thing I was moving was seafood, frozen and fresh. Uh, yeah, so he was using, you know, reefer, like the fridge trucks, moving seafood. But America, as a market of its own, produces everything. So you have, I'm just wondering, uh, what, uh, listen, we in Serbia, we produce. We import all kinds of stuff. Our major, oh, imports, yeah. We import all kinds of stuff, and our biggest partners are Germany, China, Italy, all the rest of the European countries. 
but we export uh, not, not too many things. We are not the big uh, production power, etc. So what is the, the, not only for you, Matt, okay, I understand you uh, transported most the seafood, <laughs> but what is the, between the biggest industrial zones, what is the biggest I mean, uh, flow of which commodity? Is it IT equipment? Is it uh, metal products? Is I it mean, uh, food? Or... Matt, would you agree with me? I mean, as a dry band carrier, the highest, you know, most biggest commodity i've seen you know it's paper rolls of paper for example okay bottles okay. of water okay um, i see i mean paper rolls Matt. you can find a paper roll shipper probably in every state can you say wooden materials everything which goes in the in the fridge like uh, in, i mean yeah, on the flatbed market you see a lot of wood moving around mm. um i mean yeah, that's like my what would you say is the the biggest dry van commodity i don't know i mean i didn't move a lot of dry vans so it'd be hard for yeah, me to for me yeah, to Ryan say food, food and drinks. I mean, I see a lot of paper, a lot of food, a lot of yeah, drinks. Plastic. A lot yeah, of grocers like I know like to prospect plastic companies. So, I mean, there's a lot of plastic, plastic resin, different things that plastic is uh, is big on. Yeah, like, like precursor ingredients for making stuff, like a lot of raw plastic, a lot of raw paper, um, you know, a lot of okay, food, okay. bags, enough, chips. Enough let me ask you one more question just for my audience. So, uh, okay, we are familiar that maybe the biggest industrial and production zones are East Coast, West Coast, South of... Uh, uh, what, what, is the, what is the mileage between East Coast and West Coast? 5,000 miles? No, 6, like three, three and three, a half. Sorry. So what is the most... Uh, uh, what are... Between which uh, cities or what is the... Can, can you just... Like the uh, most popular in, in areas. Areas where you move, move the goods in the United yeah. States. I mean, that's, again, something every month is a different story. It's winter. A lot of people don't want to drive in the snow. Mm. So, you know, a lot of guys staying in the south. Um, if you ask me, my opinion, currently, the west west of America is not a good market. I don't send my trucks there. Like that Los Angeles, Arizona. Your, your state is very immense. <clears throat> Uh, Matt, Matt's in Minnesota. Minnesota? What about yeah. your company? Uh, my company is Chicago-based. Chicago, okay. But uh, that doesn't matter. Like, you know, we're over the road trucking. We don't go to Chicago. He only does home. power only. So he's... he's. Yeah, yeah. I don't even have trailers. I just yeah, have... Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, so you, have, you have only the... the just this, the truck power. You, 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 you pick up the goods in the trailer. You deliver the trailer. You hook it up. Yeah, I just pick on. it up and drop it off and move on. Like, it's quick. It's easy. I never Sometimes, did any... I never sometimes worked with any power only. That's yeah. very interesting for us. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the trailers are empty. A lot of the times they'll pay you just to pick up a trailer and move it somewhere for them. Like 200 miles, they're going to give you, you know, six, 700 bucks. You're done in four hours. Like, Guys, allow me, please, one last question. There is a TV show on National Geographic or whatever it was <laughs> like. Uh, the uh, the uh, four, four colliers carriers go online. And one has a big truck, another one has a medium truck, and they, they go on the market uh, yeah, and they yeah, bid yeah, yeah. for the. Do you know the show? Yeah, I can't remember what's mad. You know that show? Um, it might be called Heavy like Haul. The, like the storage. Wars. I don't watch enough TV. Yeah, it's like Storage Wars, but with trucks. But like, listen, yeah. you know what was important? If he's late or he makes a, a small scratch, immediately, please, customer, allow me to deliver this. I, I like the cust the level of the customer care you guys in the United States. Because you're you're aware that you depend on the customer, you do not want to get. Uh, yeah, you don't want to ruin the relationships. Uh, yeah, and this was very interesting in this show, because it was all all, all about time frames. It was of all course, about the communication. It was all about. I mean, if you ask Matt, Matt's told the story a few times. You know, his first shipment, couple shipments, uh, 
like if his carrier was running behind, you know, at like an hour, it's like Matt would be calling them, telling them, hey, where are you? You know, to, our timelines are really, really strict um, because we're, we don't have customs hold up. We don't have reasons for you to be late, you know, other than maybe but, a tire. But, but still, you also have lots of challenges, but you know how to overcome it. You know how to communicate with the customer. You know how to deal with the broker, with the courier. I, I just say that uh, I admire your approach. And it's, uh, I mean, you guys in the United States, you invented this customer service level of the <laughs> delivery. Yeah, it's in Europe. Listen, the services in Europe is uh, not uh, so high. A little, I, a little worse quality. I mean, listen, I work with the French or with the Italians or with the Spains. Italians have two hours break. They go in. They drink their drink coffee. Wine. They don't care about your phone call or everything. French guy goes on a holiday, he doesn't put the mail forwarding. Uh, and we can respond. Yeah, yeah, here in Serbia, we fight for our job. We are very responsible, but we are the, amongst the poorest countries in the European. So it's always like yeah, we, you're in a hard position, you try. You uh, try to hard. elevate somehow. Yeah, Yeah, but listen, United States, you're on the top of the world. And you make high standards. I just say this, some, this is something I always admire. Yeah, I mean, Matt, what would you say? You know, I think average response time in American logistics to an email is about 60 seconds, maybe 100 Ooh, seconds. I think you're giving some brokers too much credit. Uh, the, the well, that's on my end, you know, if you're running solid operations. Like, if I get an email, I answer it in the first minute or two. Um, you're trying to Most, bro, I would say most. Like, um, if I find random broker on the internet, most brokers answer within two to three minutes for the, mo for the most part. Um, I think you know, it depends a lot on the type of freight too. I mean, like in the food and beverage here, I mean, you have a lot of appointments like at early in the morning, yeah, late at night, stuff, you yeah. can't be late. Um, you know, there's a lot of things with lumpers and, you know, uh, rejected. Hey, that actually, now that you brought it up, sorry, man, I, I didn't think about that. Do you guys have lumper service? Like does a truck ever go somewhere to unload and then somebody has to pay the people to unload the truck uh, like listen, a service for unloading trucks good, very good question listen uh, uh we have the rule uh, by see we have a convention of uh, these regulations and everything so driver should not load and unload food yeah because of, of the incoterm you know what guys are the incoterms so incoterms are clearly stating what is the responsibility and the risk of the shipper ah like insurance food. reasons like for safety reasons kind there, of thing. there is inco terms so international parity which defines what is which obligation and by that following that it is the responsibility it is not the driver's responsibility to do it but for example if you go to germany and you arrive to a loading place and it's 9 a.m <laughs> they will tell that they will very very and most of the time they will tell to driver listen if you want to unload it personally, you can do it now. <laughs> you can leave here. If, if not, you will wait until 6 p.m. Okay. So sometimes, but, and li but listen, what if something gets damaged or the equipment broke, uh, uh, forklift or whatever? Yeah. So I think the driver should not do it. The regulation is it should not do it, but drivers most usually do it. Do it. But you never see somebody that says, hey, you got to pay us two, 300 euro oh, no, 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 to no. unload your truck for it. Ah, that was the original question. Original Sorry. question. No, no, this is... That this doesn't is, exist here. This is unacceptable. If you go to a delivery, a receiving Come place, on. that's their job. I make, I make yeah. 200 euros maybe for the longest story and you're going, you're going to take me this money. No, no chance. Uh, no, I mean, this never happens. I not no, it's the question. warehouse responsibility of to unload. Yeah, of course. Here's an interesting, interesting question, Alex. 
Maybe, maybe if they unload it very fast, I can buy them a bottle of soda. Something, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got a viewer asked, how many different languages do you need to speak to ship through the EU? Listen, we, we're English talking uh, market, so... So the market kind of just agreed, hey, we're all going to kind of try to speak English here. Of course, I speak a little bit of Hungarian, <laughs> I speak a little bit of Russian, but all, with all customers, we talk on so English kind of was like every all of the EU is like, hey, 100%. we're we're gonna just kind of do trucking in English here. To Listen, make it simple. For, for maybe your audience, it's like uh, Europe, Serbia. Yeah, it's a it's a. Yeah. The show. This is like a Serbian Serbian flag, and uh, be, between you uh, behind Alex, me, yeah. it's, it's a European Union uh, map. Maybe we'll go a little bit in the past. Here it's uh, a Serbia map. So yeah, listen, Europe is a continent. Uh, we have pretty uh, how many countries. Uh, we are also internationally connected with the rest of the world, with the United States, with China, with Middle East. Yeah, I mean, like Europe. before we did this show, I had spoke with uh, with Nicola a few times, and um, you know, we had kind of come to the agreement that, like, I was like sitting there the first like twenty minutes, like, wow, you guys have rate cons, wow, you guys have have like a DAT website, wow, you guys use the same emails, and I think when you break it down, honestly, like the the, the industry is the same. Um, the job is it's moving stuff from point A to point B. Everything is pretty much the same. We <laughs> have inquiry, we have offer, we have order to the collier. Same. The difference is that we have custom clearance and you do not have. Yeah, yeah the custom. Here, here's yeah. something that has nothing to do with logistics. Is uh, is chess <laughs> is chess a lot bigger in uh, Serbia than it is in the U.S.? I, I think about it as a as a kid. My chess coach had moved from Serbia. But you see a lot of people play chess here. I do, honestly, uh, compared to Canada. Like when you go uh, like somewhere to the beach or if you're in Novi Sad to Strand, you see in public people playing chess in a lot. In public, yeah, we have the fortress. Of or even some Kafana, you see people play Kafana chess. Kafana or the Kalameglan is the old fortress in the city center. Older people most usually play chess. Mostly there. older people, yeah. yep. That so they're all, they're all Timberwolves fans too in Serbia. They all like the <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I mean, yeah, chess, Matt, I would agree. It's definitely more popular out here. Um, yeah. I mean, anything left from you? What can I say? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, maybe uh, I establish a podcast of my own in Serbia. And next time I invite yeah, you guys. Yeah, we, we can be our, your our, guest. Yeah, we can yeah. be your guest for, for the local podcast. <laughs> big, big hello and greetings to all the American uh, colleagues. I say that... Uh, Road freight is maybe the most challenging one, and I like to call us the road freight warriors. So, greetings to all the colleagues. Well, Matt, I mean, you have anything left? I mean, that's pretty much, you know, at the end, to wrap it up, it's the same job. The rate per miles are all kind of the same. Fuel's a bit more expensive, but I mean, other than that, it's pretty similar, pretty similar ideas. Thank you for coming on, and we'll uh, chat again, and you'll know, have a great rest of the day. Thank you as well. Have a nice rest of the Take day. Take it easy, Matt. Bye-bye. Yeah, take it easy. We don't we're not gonna do a wrap-up since it's you guys are in the same place. So. Yeah, that's I was laughing about that. Um, so normally we do our pre-show and our post-show and uh the guest gets taken off, but my guest is sitting right here. So we're probably gonna go drink a beer and you, call it a day. <laughs> we do have an announcement. We we are gonna do a show, uh a show tomorrow, guys. So we'll make a post about that uh shortly. But um have a uh have a good one, Alex. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good. Bye, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.